Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. Whatever, but he said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome back in to Sox on Tap. It's Tony Marchese, joined once again by NWI Steve. We're here to talk new manager, some other White Sox stuff. It's been a long time since we've seen all of you. It feels like it's been forever. I've relearned how to work the controls on this show. I've got Steve by my side. I've got a beer. I'm going to crack it. And Steve, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony. Um, I don't know if I still remember how to do this. It's been so long since I've been on here. They say it's like riding a bike. We're about to find out. Yeah, same here. It's It's been a nice little, uh, little vacation for all of us away from what was 2022 White Sox baseball. And we'll probably be back to do some sort of recap of the season, talk about things that went wrong, yeah. talk about things that maybe went okay. Um, and we'll do some of all of that a little bit later when we get a full crew. But tonight we're going to talk about the new White Sox manager. And I don't even know how to pronounce this name, as I don't, when most people join Chicago sports organizations. So I'm going to go Pedro Griefel, um, is, is is how I'm going to pronounce this. Steve, instant reactions. How are you feeling about this hire and the process that we took to get here today? So I'll address process first. Um I think the vast majority of people within this fan base said they wanted an external hire, somebody that did not have ties to the organization. So Griefel checks that box. From a procedural standpoint, everybody wanted a wide net cast to talk to individuals from outside organizations to get different fresh perspectives. It checks that box as well. But this is not really a name that I think most people had on their radar. And I think the biggest objection that a lot of people have is coming. One of the things that Han talked about um, when Sleepy McDrunkface was um, announced to not be coming back was that they wanted somebody that was part of a recent successful organization. Unless we're counting 2015 as recent, um, Pedro Griefeld does not check that box right there. So it's it's really, it's a mixed bag. Some of the things that I've read about him here today, there was an article from the athletic from 2018 that um, I sent over to you here that kind of talked about Griefel and his interest in, and his use of data and analytics, particularly with getting Ned Yost to implement shifting on a more regular basis with the Royals. Um, something that was successful there and looking at ways to try to help, uh, Salvador Perez improve his just god awful horrendous framing. So that's one thing. On the counter side to that, 
you're talking about a guy that was relieved of his duties as hitting coach for that Royals team in 2012. And that is at the point when the Royals were beginning their upward trajectory. The following season in 2013, they won 86 games. The following year in 2014, they made the postseason for the first time in 29 years, the first of their back-to-back pennants, and then following it up the next year with a World Series. So as this team was ascending, Griefel was demoted, essentially, and put into a quality control position with the organization. So there's just a lot of mixed emotions and a mixed bag that comes along with him. Ultimately, we're not going to know what kind of manager he is. I, I will say some of the quotes he had about believing in hitting the timely three-run homer and not being able to bunch your way to a pennant is a good thing. And also saying that the games in April and May matter a lot. So immediately he's more awake than his predecessor. So that's a good thing. Always there with the commentary, Steve. Uh, there we go. Uh, I, you know, I don't really have too much of a, a reaction in terms of the hire itself. I think we're going to need to let him manage before we deem him the right hire or the wrong hire. Um, but early, early, uh, I guess, initial reactions to this, Steve. The Sox did go out and perform the manager search that everybody seemingly wanted them to go and do. And you know, there's my my sort of thought behind this is, did they let the market pass that? That's my biggest question that I have with this early on is, did they let the market pass them? We've seen the White Sox organization let the market pass them by in free agency and seemingly almost every other time uh, that they're out there. They're the last team to make a hire here. And this is a name that... Uh, did not get the job in Kansas City. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why that may have been. It could have been Pedro wanted this White Sox opportunity. He was just waiting to to close the close the deal on that. Um, it could have been that uh, the Royals didn't want him. Who knows? Nobody here on this show knows exactly what happened between him and the Royals. You brought up some interesting points. We discussed this earlier in the day uh, with the rest of the Sox on Tap Crew about. Uh, him being relieved of his duties back in 2012. There's a lot of history there. But my first question in this process is, did the White Sox let the market get past them with some of the other available names that were here during this manager search, Steve? Let's rewind the clock back a little bit and talk about who you actually wanted uh, as the manager hire here, Steve. Uh, was there a candidate out there that you wanted that the White Sox either passed on, did not interview, or for whatever reason, uh, wound up here with uh, with Pedro Griefel? I can't really say that there was one particular candidate that I was longing for more than any other. I know I definitely did want them to talk to Joe Espada with the Houston Astros, which they did, and then they summarily dismissed him as a candidate uh, maybe what is it, four or five days ago uh, from that standpoint. I also wanted them to talk to Matt Corcharo, uh, bench coach with the Tampa Bay Rays, who, interestingly enough, is getting the job as the manager with the Kansas City Royals. Now, to your point previously there, you talked about um, some of the concern about Griefel not getting the job, having been in Kansas City for as long as he has. One of the things that I feel like people need to understand with Crocharo getting that job over Griefel, the new uh, Kansas City Royals owner, 
um, was a gentleman that previously had a minor, a minority ownership stake in the Cleveland Indians. And he, their, his path crossed Matt Quattraro when Quattraro was in the Indians organization. So there's a level of familiarity with there. And perhaps the decision to kind of start fresh with that Royals organization, relieving Mike Matheny, um, relieving Dayton Moore, and bringing in someone that the owner is familiar and comfortable with. Could that have played a factor in why Griefel wasn't considered or ultimately chosen to be the Royals manager? Who knows? But, you know, at the end of the day, there really wasn't a candidate, whether it's Bruce Bochy, uh, Joe Madden, Quacharo Espada, Ron Washington. Nobody really jumped off the page to me and said, this is the guy that is ultimately going to fix the White Sox. Because in my personal opinion, there are systemic issues within this organization right now. And a simple managerial change is not going to fix that. Fair enough. Fair enough. And I, I noticed that you left out one name there, uh, Ozzy Guillen, who was also involved in some of this. I, I didn't have you pegged down as a, an Ozzy Guillen guy. I uh, didn't think that you were going to champion that one, Steve. Uh, just didn't seem to be your style there. But uh, some other names that you threw out. Uh, in this managerial search, Joe Madden. I definitely did not want Joe Madden, although I do uh, enjoy some of the, the Joe Madden uh, publicity tour uh, that was going on MLB Network and every single other uh, you know outlet that was out there that Joe Madden could get on. You wouldn't have been about... so. You wouldn't have been excited for the uh, pajama party theme road trip. I mean, I'm all for I'm all for team bonding, uh, but uh, I just don't know if uh, this White Sox team exactly needed a Joe Madden type uh, manager. Uh, let's let's be honest with ourselves here, Steve, for just a, a couple of seconds. I think one of the things that didn't go right with the 2022 Chicago White Sox was the fact that Tony La Russa let these guys kind of do whatever it is that they wanted to do and that there was not a lot of accountability uh, within the organization. So I did not think that Joe Madden was going to be the type of guy that could come in here and fix things by any means with the pajama party. I just didn't see that happening. Uh, Joe Espada, let's move on to Mr. Espada real quick, uh, Steve. I didn't really buy this one from the start. I thought that Espada was going to wind up, uh, you know, back and staying in Houston and waiting for Dusty Baker to retire. It didn't really seem to make too much sense, although uh, I know he was a favorite amongst uh, a large section of the fan base uh, based on his baseball acumen and, and what he's involved in uh, with a perennial contender that is the Houston Astros. Uh, you know, any shock there that that deal didn't get close with the Spada? Um, yes and no. I think from the standpoint of I struggle to understand why a top managerial candidate would want this job. Working for an ass-backwards front office that really hasn't accomplished much in their tenure. I mean, let's let's slow it just for a second here. I wouldn't why? say that the because I don't think that the White Sox, even though they're not at the forefront of of baseball. Uh, you know, excitement right now, and they just missed the playoffs. There's still an interesting roster here that was in the playoffs just a year ago and the year before that. So, 
You I sound would, like my you sound like my ticket rep yesterday trying to convince me not to cancel my plan. Well, we already know that you have canceled your your season ticket plan, Stephen. That's 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 already old news. I mean, there's still opportunity here for this ball club to be successful. There's still opportunity to come in and manage some exciting young baseball players, is there not? There is, but the problem is this. Too many things have to go right at this point. You're talking about guys that really have to hit their 70th percentile projections at least. And we're talking about having to count on the likes of Aloy Jimenez, Yoan Mancada, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, and Andrew Vaughn to try and play 150 games in a season. That's a challenge that I would love to see them succeed in, but None of them have done it yet. So that's a big problem for me. Eloy has shown nice bursts of being an offensive force. He's also then followed that up by being a ground ball machine. Luis Robert can't stay on the field. Yoan Mankata finds his way onto the IL all the time and finds inconsistent offensive performance. Andrew Vaughn has not produced the power that we thought was in that bat to this point leaving a lot of us to kind of wonder how much did missing out on upper minor level pitching because of the pandemic stunt his development. These are all valid questions. There's too many things that have to go right at this point for this team to be a contender, in my opinion. And I feel fairly certain that a certain 86-year-old human being is not going to just all of a sudden give them more money to spend now having missed the playoffs. So that gives me cause for concern about the direction of this roster going into 2023. I think, I think that's a certain 86 year old man may have, you know, uh, just really done a number on you over the years, Steve. Uh, there is no human being on this planet. And I say this in all honesty that I hate more than that man. You you just you've got a grudge. You've got a grudge. And it is we'll, not possible to hate someone you have never met more than I hate that man. You you've you've got a grudge. It's it's very obvious here. Uh, you know, with all of that said, I still think that a major league managerial opening of any sorts for a lot of people who work in baseball and in baseball front offices is an attractive position. Obviously, the White Sox were able to pull in some of these uh, individuals for interviews. We don't know exactly know what happened with that uh, outside of some insight that was shared today that all three of Jerry Reinsdorf, Rick Hahn, and Kenny Williams were absolutely floored and blown away by what this uh, Kansas City Royals uh, bench coach uh, brought to the table, Steve. So you mentioned a couple of quotes uh, do you have some more of those? Because I know you spent a considerable amount of time today researching some Pedro Griefel, uh quotes for all of us here uh, that can be shared. You've mentioned the the bunting doesn't get the job done uh, and that you need to hit homers. That's That's got to make you happy, like a little bit, right? Inside, that makes you a little bit happy. I love three-run homers. Listen, Earl Weaver, God 
rest his soul, was so far ahead of the curve when he said pitching, defense, and three-run homers. That's how you fucking win baseball games in the year of our Lord, 2022. Earl was like 60 years ahead of his time. I digress, however. Some of the other things that that Griefel talked about, um, the use of data and, and the use of analytics and having a blend between that and a gut feel. It sounds great on paper. It, it's a great quote. It's something that looks really good. I've talked about this on a number of occasions. You can't be on either extreme. That's a problem. You look at Kevin Cash and some of the things that they do in Tampa, and while Tampa Bay has definitely been far more successful than the White Sox have in my life, and it makes me fucking sick to even say that, I think they take it too far at times. Uh, Game six of the 2020 World Series, prime example. So how he's able to apply that and, and how he's able to take data and how he's able to then mesh that with a gut managerial feel is going to be an interesting thing to kind of understand. Um, the early rumors and the early speculations are that former Toronto Blue Jays manager and former Tampa Bay Rays bench coach, Charlie Montoyo is going to be assuming the role of bench coach um, under, under Griefel. So that's, that's going to be a little bit of an interesting dynamic. I was there. just, I was just about to move into our, our next little topic here, Steve is yes that's what we call a segue yes we we have some news that uh most of the coaching staff will not be returning uh and you mentioned the first name that's been uh you know very heavily chatted about amongst uh the white Sox media and and fans today on twitter.com it's charlie montoyo uh you know him as the drum guy right steve i did not know that actually you didn't. Okay. No. So apparently he's got some drums that he likes to bring into, uh, into the clubhouse. So, you know, anything to get a little beat going, I can imagine we're going to get my, my early pro- projection here is we're going to get some, uh, some drums in the dugout and uh, you'll see some clips of Yohan Mancata and, and Eloy Jimenez, you know, busting some moves out there to Charlie Montoyo uh, drumming away in the, in the White Sox clubhouse. Uh, you know, outside of that, we don't know what the rest of this coaching staff is going to look like. Outside of one name that's coming back, and that's Ethan Katz, I don't think that there's really a surprise here. However, some might be shocked to learn that Ethan Katz is going to be back with this club and is probably going to be the only survivor of what is going to be a clubhouse purge. What what I think is interesting about this, I tend to believe that when you make a head coaching or managerial change, you should allow those individuals to decide who is going to be on their staff. You shouldn't saddle them with Don Cooper. Yes. Don Cooper is the exact perfect example because Coop um, was underneath. Let's see. Uh, got there with Charlie Manuel. Every, every manager of my entire life. Yeah. So, me. so he, I mean, he survived four different administrations. I don't like that personally. Now maybe Griefel had a conversation with Ethan Katz and wanted to get an understanding of his pitching philosophy, how he goes about dealing with a staff and maybe there were synergies there and and maybe they were properly aligned with what Griefel wants to do going forward. If that's the case, I'm okay with that, but I don't like the idea of 
Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, whoever else is involved in this, saying, Ethan Katz is staying. You have to figure it out. If that's what happened, I got a fucking problem with that. So, again, we don't know the dynamics there. We don't know what conversations took place on that. But, again, if Griefel and Katz had conversations and they were in agreement on direction going forward and Griefel decided this is the guy I want to oversee my pitching staff, I'm fine with that. Um, Does any part of you, any part of you, and this is probably just tinfoil hat time. I know it's Tuesday, tinfoil hat Tuesday time. I know where this is going. Any part of you, does any part of you think that he is here still because Lucas Giolito is still on this roster? Any part of you? No. No? No. Not at all? No, no, because Lucas Giolito (laughs) – he was bad last year. We can, you know, you can try to dress it up all, all you want. He he was bad. Yes, and, and, and Dylan Cease was very fucking good. Right, Dylan Cease was very good. Ronaldo Lopez turned a corner. Jimmy Lambert turned a corner. So there were definitely positive things that happened under Ethan Katz's direction. Okay, I think it's pretty fair to say that I'm most checkmark counter every time you say something positive about the White Sox. I listen. I would, keep love, going. I would love to be more positive about the White Sox. Trust me, it would make my life a lot more fucking enjoyable. Um, <laughs> but the the notion and this belief that he's only there to basically be a caddy for Lucas Giolito, I just don't buy it. Um, you know, I know that was a prevailing thought two years ago when Katz was hired was that this was somehow going to be a way for them to kind of lowball Giolito on an extension. But the fact of the matter is Giolito's he's shitting away a lot of money with how he performed in 2022. So at the end of the day, he's got to pitch well. And um, I mean, (laughs) just this notion that Ethan Katz only exists to benefit to the benefit of Lucas Giolito, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. Gotcha. We can close that segment if if you want to. There, I, I just had to ask the question. There's, I know you feel differently about it, but I, I still know. have certain thoughts in my mind that you know he is here in part, not fully, but here in part because of Lucas Giolito, because of his original relationship with Lucas Giolito. That is one of the things that was heavily talked about when that announcement was made that he was going to be the White Sox pitching coach. And so it makes me wonder if there is still a little bit of that loyalty, Steve, that you talked about, you know, with, with Don Cooper, because you're kind of seeing it here. It'll be interesting to me and I could be proven wrong on this, but if Lucas Giolito's time on the South side comes to an end, I want to see how closely it correlates to Ethan Katz's tenure on the South side. And then, then maybe we'll have our answer. Fair. Fair. So I, I don't know. I, I have no clue. Maybe you are absolutely correct in this, that Griefel and Katz had a great conversation. The resume speaks for itself. I'm not going to say that Ethan Katz has done a bad job. You've got Dylan Cease right there to prove it. You've got Johnny Cueto right there to prove it. You've got a lot of names uh, that came through that bullpen uh, that can prove it as well. Uh, you know, Lance Lynn's last season. I know there were some injuries this year that were out of Ethan Katz's control. So there's been a lot of positives with him. I'm just curious if that relationship and his current contract situation played a little bit into it. That's the only reason I could see him 
surviving what would have been a bad conversation with Pedro Grifo. That's where I come from. But I think at the, at this point, you know, like I said, Giolito has cost himself so much money that this idea of making him feel comfortable so that you can get him to lessen his contract demands, that shit's out the window now at this point. I mean, is I mean, is Giolito even in position to get it depends 70? on this season, Steve. It, fair, fair. Um, but you know, as it stands right now, I mean if he were on the open market today. Would Lucas? Yeah, well, I was going to say, what what do you think he would get? I, I don't even know if he would. Uh, would he get five years from someone? I, I don't think so. I I don't either. I don't think he gets five years, and I think it gets really hard to get him up over a hundred million dollars. Oh, there's no chance on that without that without five years and some length on that deal. Yeah. So he might play himself for better or for worse. And now think about this: for better or for worse. Lucas Giolito might pitch himself into the White Sox spending market. That's a very valid point right there. At the end of the day, though, I don't think that's what I wanted to, to have happen. Steve. Yeah, I, that's not because, a great that's not a great thing right there. Um, because if we look at starting pitchers and the history of this team, the highest contract they've ever given a starting pitcher is John Danks, five years, sixty-five million. What about Danks? What about Danks? There you go. Steve, we've got a couple of, of other topics that I want to hit on here before we get out of here. The first being some White Sox news that dropped. And I, I don't know if you were a big Sox Fest guy, but some White Sox news that dropped while we were away is that the White Sox aren't going to have Sox Fest this year. And I feel like this was a hot button issue for a couple of days and then kind of died down after the crowd put their fish pitchforks back into the tool sheds and waited for a manager hiring to finish. So let's, let's bring out those pitchforks again for a second here. The Chicago Cubs are hosting a fan fest. Most other teams are back to hosting fan fests and due to factors, due to reasons, due to who knows the Sox have decided that we're not going to have a Sox fest this year. We're not gonna we're not gonna try and rally our fans together. We're not gonna bring everybody, we're not gonna let the kids come get autographs and Ken Will get autographs. We're not gonna <laughs> let we're not gonna let anybody commiserate over what was a disappointing season or ask questions about you know the direction of this ball club going forward. We're gonna stay silent and we're gonna head straight to Arizona and start to play baseball again. We're not gonna do the whole fanfare thing. What's your reaction to the White Sox canceling FanFest? Sox Fest. Oh, I've got thoughts, believe me. First, let me preface this by saying I went to SoxFest one time in 2010, and I questioned Kenny Williams on the acquisition of Mark Tehan. He told me I was going to like Mark Tehan. I'm still waiting for my fucking apology, Kenny. Nevertheless, um, to me, SoxFest is pretty useless um it's for a bunch of fat overweight adult slobs like ken wo to go stand in line and cut in front of little kids so they can get autographs so that they can you know feel good about themselves frankly i think it's pretty pathetic but as far as the several um reasons why this organization is canceled sox fest it's pretty simple to me they obviously don't want to 
hold themselves accountable. They don't want to face the people who are unhappy right now. The natives are restless, as they like to say. We all know Jerry Reinsdorf is a fucking coward. That man refuses to face the fans ever. Say what you want about Tom Ricketts. He at least faces the fans. He's not a fucking coward. When all the bullshit happened, when he traded away everybody's favorite stars, when he launched Marquee, he stood out there in front of the firing squad. That fucking coward, Jerry Reinsdorf, has never done that at any point in the 40-plus years that he has owned this franchise. So it all starts with him. As I always say, the fish stinks at the head. So we all know then that Kenny and Rick, they don't want to face the wrath of the fan base right now. And I think in some ways the decision to cancel it was also telegraphing what we should expect as a fan base this offseason. It started with a very underwhelming manager selection. This is the are first you considering the this are you considering this this hiring then underwhelming Steve? Like yes. let's wrap a bow tie on it. Yes. Was this an underwhelming hire yes. to you? Wow, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised by that answer. I'm genuinely there, there, shocked. There, there are some quotes that I like about it or that I like from him. But generally speaking, it's very underwhelming to me. What would have been overwhelming to you? Um, Again, I don't know that anybody would have been overwhelming per se. But I would have been happy with a guy like Matt Quartaro. I would have been fine with a Joe Espada. So you think the Royals outhired us? Yes. Does any of that have to do with the fact that Pedro Griefel was drafted by the Minnesota Twins? You sick son of a bitch. I'm not sure if you went back that far into his no, profile. No, I did was, not. He was drafted by the Minnesota Twins in 1991. Ugh, it makes me fucking sick. Yeah, I didn't want to spoil that for you. I thought you knew this information already. Uh, I'm going to vomit now, live okay. on air. This is just so, disgusting. Um, nevertheless, getting back to the original question on the decision to cancel SoxFest. So I think that this hire is the first sign or in what's going to be a very underwhelming offseason, an underwhelming manager selection, a decrease in payroll, relatively minimal activity from this team. Frankly, I don't expect – much of a roster shakeup at all. I think they're just going to try to run it back, try to get that dead cat bounce and think that they're going to find a way to somehow beat Cleveland, which, you know, frankly, I don't see happening. And I think this is their way of saying, this is what you should expect. We don't want to deal with a bunch of pissed off people at the at McCormick center. Um, so we're just going to cancel it due to several reasons. Those seven, and, and, seven, and, the, and those are the reasons same. and factors. Yeah, those are the several factors right there because it's going to be a very underwhelming offseason. And we're going to go to Glendale. We've got sad Steve again. We're going to go to – no, we've got pissed off Steve right now. We're pissed off to, Paradzinski. We're, we're going to go to Glendale when Cactus League play kicks off and um, – we're gonna be mad. We're gonna be mad online, a lot. Um, I hope not. I, I really, I really hope not. I, I hope, hope not. not. I hope not either. But I think that they're prepping us for this. And one other thing that I'll say about the Pedro Griefel hire, and I didn't talk about this previously. I didn't circle onto this. 
I think that this move symbolizes to me they're going to try to run it back with this group in 2023. And if it doesn't work, rebuild 2024 coming to a ballpark near you. You know, you can make your predictions. You can get them out early, but don't don't ruin 2024 for me. Just just this early. Just don't 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 do that. Let's let's leave 2024 out of this. Let's focus on 2023. Some off-season content's going to be coming your way from Socks on Tap. I know that there's a couple things in the content factory over at ontapsportsnet.com, Steve. Uh, so make sure you're checking that out. Uh, we didn't really get to some comments here. I know we did have one uh, from David Bennett over on the Facebook. You guys should talk about this, the canceling of Sox Fest. We just did that. Uh, we, I could have brought that comment up a little earlier. Again, my apologies. I'm a little slow on the control board. They said it's like riding a bike, Steve. And uh, we're trying to we're trying to figure out how these things still work. Uh, we got Sockside Mike here. My victory glasses will prevail. Yes, they will. Uh, you can catch those actually over on Four Feathers podcast if you're a Hawks fan and want to tune in for some Hawks content. Uh, our guy Johnny Nani, uh, myself, and uh, Southside Ron uh, run that show over Four Feathers Pod. Make sure you're checking that one out. Uh, it's the Blackhawks coverage presented by ONTAP Sportsnet. Steve, let's get to a couple of of last little topics here. Thank you again to everybody who's jumped in here and, and commented on this. Now, the last thing that I've got really on my agenda, you kind of started to segue into this, a little bit of off-season stuff, but we've got the World Series is, is going to finish up here. Last thing I want to talk about before this off-season starts, I wrote an article uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago. Now it feels like it was just yesterday. But the the difference between, and I know I'm going to get negative, Steve, after this, the difference between the White Sox and some of these teams that we've seen in the playoffs, I don't know if you've been watching every single game of the playoffs I've tried to tune into is pretty much almost as many of them as I can. I think I've only missed a couple. But uh, the difference, even in the DS series, and uh, the the CS series, and now as we're into the World Series with the Phillies and the Houston Astros, uh, was was kind of mind boggling to me in the type of baseball that these teams are playing, the star power that these teams have. Um, so I'll go back and I'll I'll, I'll say you know I, I said that this managerial opening was attractive because I think it is to certain extents, but to me it was kind of a pace setter for where this White Sox team should be, Steve. Where they want to be is not where I think they internally value themselves or or have any knowledge or self-awareness of what has happened. Do you think this managerial hire can stoke some fire into it? Will this White Sox team be able to overcome this without some of these free agent acquisitions, like you said? Um, and and what's the biggest difference between the Chicago White Sox and basically the final six teams you saw in the Major League Baseball playoffs this season? Um, the biggest difference is, aside from the little slapdick ball that they play and the mistake by the lake, home runs. Home runs are the difference. You win with two and three run homers. I talked about that earlier. So that and having 
a couple of starting pitchers that can go out there and dominate. You look at the Philadelphia Phillies. They're they're a perfect example of this. They've got two starting pitchers that they have rode to the pennant, and they hit home runs. Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, they've been hitting home runs. Reese Hoskins hasn't been hitting a lot in October, but when he does, the ball's going over that fencing that they set up prior to the game. So dingers, ball go far, team go far. You have that, and you have a couple of starting pitchers that you believe can dominate. You can make a deep run. Ball go far, team go far. We want to hear Steve roll that R. That's my 2023 Chicago White Sox motto. I would love, love to roll that motherfucking R quite a bit next year. Believe me. So, you know, Luis, put the fucking dominoes away. Get your body right. We need 150 games out of you next year. That's going to be the key right there. But, you know, we've got a comment. We've got a comment from our guy, Michael. Same bad players all returning isn't going to magically change any anyone or anymore. Um, it's not, but I think you hinted on something. The health of some of these guys could potentially change something. We've been saying that year in and year out, and I think that's that's a problem. It grinds my fucking gears. Why are they always injured? That that is a big problem. We talk about this all the time. That availability is perhaps the most important ability, and if they can't have Luis Robert, if they can't have Aloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, Yohan Moncada for 150 games, it's a problem. That's just that's just well, a fact. Because that's that's where Larry Garcia winds up in your lineup. Sorry for the spoiler alert, but. You know, it's it it's a it's a product of it. Here's my question. Last thing. Will Pedro have any say over this training staff? Because I did see something about him talking about, you know, you can lose a division in May, you gotta hustle, all that stuff. So it says says some of the right things, right? Well, that flies in the face of what we heard coming out of this training staff's mouth in this front office's mouth all season in 2022. Good. That flies in the face of it. So what's the reaction of the players going to be? And is the entire training staff getting canned with the rest of the, you know, first base, third base, bench coach, everybody else? Are they taking a hike too? Or is it going to be the same thing with just a different mouthpiece? I would have no problem whatsoever with, cleaning house on the training and um, the rest of that staff. Now, I know you're not for bringing people back, but Herm Schneider, he's got a pretty good track record. Listen, Herm will always have a special place in my heart. He and I shared a, we we shared a moment at the Potbelly in Naperville back when I used to live out there a couple, two, three years ago. Uh, Saw him there getting some coffee. We had a quick little powwow. So I've always long time. Herb Schneider guy right here. I did not know that you guys shared an experience at a pot belly, but uh, maybe, maybe it'll be in the uh, NWI Steve uh, autobiography someday. And we can read more on that. Steve, you got any final thoughts before we uh, close this down? We got some baseball to watch. And uh, I think, I think there's a Chicago hockey team that's going to drop the puck here soon. So uh, it's going to be, 
doing some of uh, some of that hockey and baseball tonight. I don't know about you, but uh, what else? What else you got before we uh, close this uh, first off-season edition episode of Socks on Tap Down? My final thoughts are this: um, we have at maximum five baseball games left in the year of our Lord 2022. You want to talk about sad, Steve? That really makes Steve sad because off-season Steve is the worst Steve. It's just hashtag facts only. There's no getting around that. Um, I'm a completely different person. I'm drifting through life aimlessly. I have no reason to get out of bed in the morning most days. So it's a problem for me. How I'm going to cope with it, I don't know. Um you know, Seinfeld I, live tweeting. Seinfeld live tweeting will definitely pick up. You know, um, that's that's definitely a thing. That's one of the uh, main features of following me on twatter.com. I know you love it. You're a big fan of it. So, um, oh yeah, you know, so, absolutely. So we we've got that going for us. I, I've started to reinvest a little bit into into Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. There's a couple of of interesting little segments going on there. So got that. Obviously, the Hawks. You know, there are some interesting things happening with, with that team, kind of looking to see who is going to be part of the next good team at the Madhouse on Madison right there. So that will obviously have my attention. And uh, listen, you know, PED season might be starting here in, in, in a week or two. Um, you know, I got to come into spring training in the proverbial best shape of my life. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, you know kind of you know the the mantra around here. You you stare out the window and and wait for spring, right? Uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll still do some of these shows. I think that uh, you know some regular socks on tap might help us get through it. Uh, so if you are tuned into the show, expect uh, expect some hashtag content coming from the socks on tap crew throughout the off season, and we'll break down you know White Sox breaking news. And uh, and maybe a couple of fun shows over the uh, over the old off season, just to you know keep the stove a little warm, and uh, you know at least discuss some White Sox baseball. That said, Steve, it was great to be back. It's almost like we never left. But can you, can you be back if you never left? I don't. I, I I don't know if you can be back if you never left. It's like a chicken or the egg uh, type question there, Steve. That's all we've got. That's all we've got. We'll be back. We don't know when, but it'll be soon. Steve, it was always a pleasure talking White Sox baseball with you. Make sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Thank you for hopping in here. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Make sure you turn on that uh, little notification so you know when we go live. See you shortly. Until then, White Sox forever. White Sox for life.